Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome in, folks, to the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. Today, we are continuing our overview of each individual individual position group. Today, we are discussing the tight ends. We've done three other position groups thus far. If you've missed those, go check those out. Before we get into it, I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts and Alex Gilstrap. We are a part of NFL Draft Bible, which is Sports Illustrated's and Fan Nation's NFL draft coverage. So go check that out at si.com uh, slash NFL slash draft. So we're going to get into this tight end discussion. Before we can, though, I need to talk to you very briefly about Bet Online. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Heck, the MLB is not too far away from starting up soon. And if you maybe want to put down some bets on who you think is going to make the World Series or who might win the MVP before the season starts, do your research now and head to Bet Online. It's the only place that you should be betting on these sports, and that is Bet Online. Heck, if you're not that big of a fan of some of these other sports, make it more interesting by putting some money down. Anything can happen in basketball, anything can happen in hockey, anybody can win, so have some fun and put some money down. Bet Online even covers award shows. TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything that you can imagine. And of course, the, their 24-hour online casino. Head to BetOnline or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag. So guys, let's talk about this tight end group. And this is a really fun one. And I, I don't want to spoil too much, but actually, Ryan already put out the tweet we've got one of these guys coming on the show in the future yeah you, you unless you don't think a, a gif of that player is a spoiler I, I i don't know i don't know some people might not understand it you know okay especially in college football <laughs> there's double numbers you know offensive defensive so nice. <laughs> all right well head to ryan's twitter at rising draft if you want to figure out which tight end we're having on the show uh maybe if you're smart enough you can you can piece that one together this is a really fun tight end group though because we talked about it way back during the summer how there are a lot of guys that maybe could end up being first rounders or early day two guys. I think it's it's dissipated a little bit, and I think we really know for sure right now who the number one guy is. So, Ryan, I want to head to you first here. How would you describe the overall depth and the alignment of this tight end group? It's top heavy. Uh, top four, I think, is very good. I, I am very excited about the potential of the top four in the class and you mentioned we have one coming on very soon we had pat fryermuth a couple weeks ago so we've talked to a couple of the top tight ends in the 2021 nfl draft for me after that top four this class was hurt a little bit by some guys going back to school the jake ferguson's of the world and and a couple other guys that have really you know just hurt the overall 
uh, continuous depth of this class. There's a big drop off after four. There's not as much, um, not as, not as many guys as we once anticipated. But I still think at the top of the class, it's very good. Yeah, for me, I've actually finalized my tight end reports this week before we're recording this. And like Ryan said, there's four guys with round three grades or higher for me. And then after that, it's there's a couple guys I like on on day three uh, to take a flyer on developmental guys or some that I think are just kind of rock solid. But yeah, it really drops off. You have four that have the potential to be starting tight ends, you know, very early on in their career. And then there's some shots in the dark on day three. So I actually kind of like this class, mostly the top guys. The top guys is what does that for me. I think this is one of my favorite classes that I've evaluated in my few years of doing this. Uh, I think it's eerily similar to that year of TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant from a mm. top heavy perspective. But I think I like the the two top guys better in this year's class personally. So I think it's a pretty good class. You know, tight end position is not one that is a huge impact unless you are that superstar. And I think you have a couple of those guys that have superstar potential. And then the rest of them are just flyers. Like I said, see, I would think that we would get the comparison to the Evan Ingram, David and Joku, OJ Howard draft class, where all three of those guys seemingly have done nothing in the NFL, but they were considered super really. I, and I think, I think partially now because of that, there might be some guarding when it comes to drafting a, a tight end early. So maybe they're not going to go as early as they possibly could. But I, the one thing I just want to hit on before we get into your guys, besides Kyle Pitts, and we're going to talk about him soon, do you think there is a chance that Fryermuth and Brevin Jordan or either or maybe just one of them could end up going in the first round or are they better suited as uh, second round picks? Well, they have, I mean, so Pat Fryermuth, not to like spoil anything, he, I have a late first round on Pat Fryermuth. I think he's probably more a second round player, just from what, everything that I'm hearing. I think Brevin Jordan is definitely a day two player. So there's some guys, I think that there's, you know, those three guys outside of Kyle Pitts are going to be day two players most likely. So is there a chance? Yeah, I think there's still a chance that somebody in the back end could value a guy like Pat Fryermuth. But I think more than likely we're talking about Kyle Pitts as the lone tight end one in round one. Yeah, for me, Firemuth, he's gonna he's gonna be a borderline first second rounder. You may see a team invest in him as that that last piece of the puzzle of the offense late in the first round. But like Ryan said, I think he's a second rounder. For me, he's a seven point nine graded player, which is wow. fringe first rounder. He's right on the edge. He's gonna be a top thirty player for me. Uh, so I could see him potentially going in the first round, but I think I think he's better suited to be in the second round. So let's get into talking about your guys. And for anybody who doesn't know what a uh, your guy is it's somebody that you might have a lot higher than everybody else but in general you absolutely love the way that they play maybe they're not talked about as much as they should be and I always get a kick out of when we do this because it's so easy to know ahead of time who Ryan is going to pick because just for whatever reason he's I, so I think vocal I, about him on Twitter yeah, he's just very vocal and I, I think Alex is maybe a little bit more um quiet Reserved. When it comes to sharing, he's more reserved. We'll find out on the show, but you'll hear about Ryan's guy for a few months leading up to the show, and then and then we get into it. So, I I don't want to I don't want to go too crazy on this, but Ryan, who do you have here? Who is your guy? And I wonder if our listeners can guess before you if before you say it. Well, Joe, I always preach when you scout, when you're evaluating, right? Like, there's no there's no gray areas, right? Like, you know who I'm high on, you know who I'm low on. My thoughts right. are out there. You can't hide from it. So you can't hide from the fact that I like Hunter Long a bunch from Boston College, a guy that when I talked to the pro liaison in the preseason, 
we went through the players. Bam Petrula, Zion Johnson, all these guys. Um, Lindstrom, the center, Alec Lindstrom. There's a lot of guys that are good football players that are potentially going to play on the NFL level. And we asked, is there anybody else we're missing? And they said, yeah, you're missing a, a first rounder. I'm like, huh, who's that? Hunter Long. Hunter Long is that guy. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't really know much about Hunter Long. I'll tell you, 6'5 and a half, 250 plus pounds. Had a good senior bowl week. He is a guy that has that big prototypical frame, can win with the football in the air. It's a little bit of a, you know, they both have the same first name, but for me, he reminds me of Hunter Henry that plays for the Los Angeles Chargers. Like, I feel like they win in similar ways. They're smooth route runners, but they're not overly explosive. And then one thing that really improved in Hunter Long's game from 2019 to 2020 is his blocking was much better. Is he still a perfect blocker? By no, by no means. But in 2019, it was pretty rough. 2020, it was solid. He's a solid positional blocker who can do things in line. And then he's got that big physical frame. What's the smoothest to him? I'm a big fan of Hunter Long for Boston College. Tight end three on my board. Maybe a little bit of a weird one for everyone. Wow. Okay. I didn't I didn't think I, I knew you were gonna have him tight end three, but something you don't know is he's also my tight end three, and he's that fourth one that people would not uh realize is in that day two conversation for me. For me, though, it's it's someone that would be a sleeper of mine if the senior bowl hadn't happened, and that's Georgia's <laughs> Trey McKitty. I've, I got put onto McKitty's radar about this time last year when he announced his transfer to Georgia. Obviously, someone that I, uh, you know, that's my rooting interest for college football. But the production kind of fell off. It was it was kind of a down year from a production standpoint from his transition to Florida State the two years prior where he, you know, had pretty good production and then comes to Georgia and I think he has six receptions for 180 yards or something. You know, not not much going for him at Georgia, but Look, he he showed he showed what he was. I think what it was at Georgia was one coming into a system where he didn't know, and two, uh, I think he had a little knee injury. I, I, they, there was a knee scope that he underwent before the 2020 season. I'm not 100 percent sure how healthy he was. We got to see at the Senior Bowl and team drills as well as one on ones that he looked fluid. He he's a solid athlete. He can run routes across the across the middle of the field with ease. The measurements, the big, big hands is what really drives you to him. 11-inch hands? Yeah. That's bigger than Gronk. That's bigger than Jimmy Graham, these big hog mollies of tight ends. And at the tight end position, you you want that sure-handed guy. And with 11-inch hands, it makes it a lot easier for Trey McKitty to, to catch the football than uh, than some of these other guys. And you add, you add an explosive element that I think he has athletically, and I like Trey McKitty. And that's not to mention I think he can do he can do a good job um, you know, in line as a blocker, he's not a great blocker. I don't think he's Hunter Long or, or Pat Fryermuth in that area, but he can hold his own in that in that area while providing an athletic uh, option in the passing game. So big fan of Trey McKitty. He's my he's my favorite guy on day three outside of those top four. So he's my tight end five going into draft season. He's a he's a weird guy too because I Alex you mentioned it six receptions they threw the ball to him like eight times and I feel like that yeah. moniker is always out there like better football player in the NFL than he was in college I think if there's any tight end in this class that is a great candidate for that Trey McKitty has to be that guy because for whatever reason I know they had Darnell Washington they have some mm-hmm. talented wide receivers at Georgia they're always a run first heavy team but to, for like eight or nine targets for a kid that this is that is this athletic that went to the Senior Bowl looked really good running routes. Really big over one handed catches left and right. <laughs> one handed catches, eleven inch hands, like in outstanding measurables. So he has to be a player that is firmly on the uptick as far as production on the next level. So I, I really thought in continuing on to 
discussing who the the number one player in this class is. I really thought this was going to be a super easy segment and topic because I thought it was a consensus who the clear-cut number one was, but I I feel like I'm ripping on Ryan today. Of course, Ryan has to put down in our notes, it depends on what you want. He's a coward, Joe. uh, (laughs) See, I wasn't getting at that. I I wasn't getting at that. That was he's, aggressive there, Ralph. He's wanting, no, he's he's wanting to stick to his summer evaluation of Pat oh, Frymuth over Kyle stop. Pitts. Oh, That's what he wants. Stop. So I would, I want to throw this into the mix, and then I'm going to let Ryan explain himself. I would also like to say it also depends on how you value Kyle Pitts because I, I truly believe, and you can tell me I'm wrong, guys, I truly believe that some teams might see him as more of just a big offensive weapon slash receiver rather than a tight end. Thanks just because that yeah. that's just, okay. Okay, I'm just making sure. Nobody, that said, that. <laughs> Nobody said anything was wrong with it, Alex. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. He, no, 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 no. Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts can be a glorified wide receiver, but I think I think his his blocking or lack thereof is so blown out of proportion. Okay. He's not a it's bad. Okay. Yeah, he's fine. It's okay. Pat Fryer. Okay, so with Pat Fryer, move you get better blocking and in less athleticism, less ability to catch the ball. You know he. Just less upside as a receiving uh, receiving option for an offense. Kyle Pitts brings way more to the table as a receiving option. Yes, you're getting less blocking, but with the way the NFL is moving, tight end in passing downs, tight ends are running routes every single time. Just about give me the receiving upside of Kyle Pitts over Pat Fryermuth, and mm. what is a he is the most well rounded. He is probably the most well rounded we've seen since Hawkinson, which I know was just a couple years ago, but. Where you you have you know receiving ability, Pat Firemuth, he's a good receiver, good after the catch, strong football player, good strong hands, and he's a great blocker, and that's what T.J. Hawkinson was coming out for me, and why he was my tight end one coming out. Whereas Noah Fant was more of that you know athletic receiving option, but Kyle Pitts is an anomaly at the tight end position. Yes, he's he's pretty much a big receiver. He's but he is a underrated blocker in my opinion. I think I tweeted out clips going into the summer when everyone was talking about Kyle Pitts's lack lack of ability to block and I was like one two three four here's clip after clip after clip of him doing well against you know there was Derek Brown or not Derek Brown Marlon Davidson from Auburn he went up against a couple times in in the 2019 game there that he knocked Marlon Davidson out of the play I think he's an underrated blocker personally and I think he's only gotten better over the course of his career he looked better in 2020 than he did 2019 I think it'll be something that continuously progresses if if they need him in that inline option but he's the best receiving target in this class by far. Well, no, I'm not arguing with that. And Kyle Pitts is higher on my board. My only my only thought process here is why I just want to throw up Pat Fryermuth at least into the conversation is right. there are some teams that are not going to value Kyle Pitts as, as high as some others because there's going to be the Darren Waller role that Oakland runs, or Las Vegas now, sorry, the Las Vegas <laughs> Raiders run, where they're going to ask him to play in the slot the majority of the time. They're going to split him outside. Like if that's if you're drafting Pat Fryermuth to play that role, obviously no. But Kyle Pitts is that guy by far. But if you're asking right. a guy to play in line all the time, be that player that can set the edge, that can do different things in the run game. Plus, and I think that people are starting to undervalue this a little bit. Pat Fryermuth is a damn good wire, uh, receiving threat too. It's not like he's not good in the area. Like he is very good. He averaged like a hundred yards a game in the games that he played this year. Like my guy could play. Now I will say. If we're just saying, like, oh, who's the mismatched weapon? Who's the guy that you'd rather have in the pass game as a volume pass catcher? Like, it's Kyle Pitts. There's no doubt about it. Right. Like, he's the higher upside player. There's no doubt. But, like, all I'm saying is there are different roles for tight ends. There are different team um, scopes of how they Philosophy, want to use the tight end. Yeah. Philosophies. 
for me, Pat Frymuth needs to at least be mentioned. Kyle Pitts will be the top guy drafted. He will be the top guy on my board at tight end. He will be the higher rated player. I just didn't want to go through this this class because I feel like Pat Fryermuth is getting a little disrespected, and I just wanted him to be mentioned because for the role that he plays, I think teams are going to value it very highly. No, I agree with you. That's a good point. I, I'm glad you made the point because you're right. I mean, certain teams, they're going to have it flipped. You know, Kyle Pitts is a great right. – they might even have him listed at wide receiver because that's they, – right. they want to ask their tight end to be in line, and if they don't think Kyle Pitts can do that at a high level – they might just say, hmm, he's a wide receiver, he's a big slot, or you know, whatever. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I, some teams definitely will value Pat Firemuth higher. And I will say it's like the Iowa thing, right? You talked about TJ Hawkinson. I guarantee there were a ton of teams out there that had no offense in front of TJ Hawkinson because they value what he did in the past game, right. potentially, more than TJ Hawkinson, who was a more well-rounded player. So that was just my, my thought to the conversation. Now, TJ Hawkinson, mm-hmm. for me, in that class, was a top-10 player. No offense, was yeah. like a, in the 20s or something like that. So obviously I prefer TJ Hawkinson in the well-rounded game. But for some teams, I'm sure that they valued what Noah Fant did more than Hawkinson did. And Alex, that was kind of what I was getting at. What you just pointed out here is depending on what they like, ultimately, I, I really do think that just because somebody might value what Fryermuth does more and a team's going to want like a really big tight end that can block and can be a, a receiving threat – I think some of those teams might lean towards saying like, well, we don't value Kyle Pitts as high as a tight end, but we really do like him as just an offensive, uh, you know, a gigantic athlete that we can split out because he's shown the ability to do so. Is Someone might just say, oh, he's a receiver and we're still going to value Fryermuth very highly, but we're going to value Kyle Pitts even higher because he's just a monstrously large human being that's very athletic and is great at catching football. So we're still going to value somebody who can contribute to our team. We're going to talk about our uh, our next piece, which is sleepers. Before we get to that, though, I just want to talk to you about our new sponsor, folks, eBay. Whether rare, dead stock, or latest release, find the exact shoe that you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair that you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators a team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box logo stitching and dozens of other inspection points each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and it also protects sellers with verified with a verified return process and for sneaker sellers out there ebay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers hundred dollars or more making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. So let's hit on some of these sleepers, some guys that people don't even know about. And Ryan, I'm interested in yours because he's not a, a typical FBS guy here. He's actually coming from the Division II level. So let's hear about Zach Davidson. Yeah, Zach is a guy that, like a lot of players this year on the FCS level and below, did not have the opportunity to have a season. So there were talks about, like, hey, is he going to stay for the spring and be in 2022? Is he going to you know, come into the 2021 NFL draft? Obviously, he decided to do that. And what is so interesting about Zach Davidson, he went to the College Green Iron Showcase and weighed in at six foot six and 5'8", 248 pounds, had 32-inch arms, so he's a big, 
long, athletic tight end who has a bizarre backstory. He was barely used offensively while in high school. He went to college to be a punter to Central Missouri. And he has grown into the pass catcher that he is now in last season. His final season at Central Missouri for the Mules, by the way. Great name, Mules. Yeah. Uh, 40, 40 receptions for almost 900 yards and 15 receiving touchdowns in one season. And this kid is playing in a air raid spread offense where, hey, he's playing slot receiver a ton. He is running the seams, and safeties on the Division II level cannot run with him. Just can straight up not run with him. In the run game, he's not super impressive because he's got, he's got kind of a, a thinner frame right now. He's still growing into his size. This kid could be 260, 270 pounds without much issue. Like, he has that type of frame. He still looks light at 248 pounds and the kicker. So we have developmental potential. Could he get drafted? He could because he um, Don Yee, who is actually the agent that represents Tom Brady, picked him up. So obviously he's on the radar, wow. right? So he might be a late-round pick just because of his developmental potential because I think he's going to run very well. We had him on Mav Sports Take, and he told me that he's going to turn some heads with his athletic testing. So he could be a late-round guy, more than likely a priority free agent, but there is talent there. There is some, some, some tools to work with, and – He's also a three-time all-conference punter. So there you go. So the only thing, though, it sounds very reminiscent, and I'm forgetting his name. Who was the cat that uh, ended up on the Bears that was from the Division II school? Adam Shaheen. Adam Shaheen. Like, I, I'm just a little bit – it seems very reminiscent of Adam Shaheen. No, no. He's he's better athlete than Adam Shaheen. Adam Shaheen was like – they wanted to call him Baby Rock because he was like 260 pounds, but he was super He was like 6'8 or something like that, too. Like 6'6 six, six and some some change. Yeah, he's a yeah. big he's a big dude. Matt Davidson's different. He's an athlete. He's a good mover. So I think that he's not going to fit into Shaheen's role that they tried to make mm-hmm. him play because he was kind of like a dual threat. Like he could block a little bit. You're not going to have Zach Davidson to block anytime soon on the NFL level. What he can do is he can stretch a defense. In a perfect world, he's probably a practice squatter the first year, but I think there is legit developmental potential that a lot of teams are going to clamor to. Yeah, when talking sleepers, there's two There's two ways I like you know, two two different avenues I like my sleepers. I like my sleepers either to be a developmental guy with high upside or someone that I just feel confident in being a role player, a key piece. Zach Davidson definitely fits the bill as that le- late draft pick or or priority free agent like like Ryan alluded to that has a lot of upside. You know, you need to work some things out. You need to continue to grow them. But this guy has some upside. For me, this year, I've really become enamored with Miller Forstall from Alabama. I really have. Yeah, he's a good football player. That's all he is. He was underutilized. You know, it's it's weird to talk about an Alabama football player as a sleeper, but he really has. He's flown under the radar with the the kind of blow up of Jaleel Billingsley, the young tight end, I guess he is, athlete. That's going to be a fun prospect to watch here in a couple years. Miller Forstall kind of took a step back in that offense, but rock solid. I just I know he's going to be a tight end too in the NFL for 10 years. That's just the kind of vibes I get from watching Forstall's tape. You know, you get a good sound blocker, but you get decent athleticism, good hands, uh good body control on the sideline as we saw in the Notre Dame game a couple times. I mean, he's a good he's just a good football player and I think that you know, his his lack of upside is going to push him down boards. He's going to be a later day 3 mid to late day 3 guy, but I'm I just get this sense from him that he is going to be a tight end two, tight end three, someone that you can line up in line. He can play a little bit of, you know, in bunch formations, you know, as a as a receiving threat. 
I, I kind of like this guy. I think he's going to stick around in the NFL. And if you can have a fifth or sixth round pick stick on your roster for five to six, seven years, like I think Miller Forrestal can do, I think that's a win. So I'm, I'm a big fan of Forrestal, though he's flying under the radar for some reason. He's a glue guy, too. And a quick note on him. He was actually the starting quarterback at Cartersville High School in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And then Trevor Lawrence came to town. And then they're like, <laughs> okay. You're playing tight end. Trevor Lawrence is playing quarterback. So a little, yeah, that's get, a good get your one. ass out of here. Yes, exactly. Could you imagine that being the guy who's bumped for Trevor Lawrence? That's fantastic. All right, let's get overhyped here. And Ryan, I'm a little bit sad that I'm hearing this as your overhyped guy because this is this is a guy that we've both talked very positively about because of our uh, our participation in the Locked On Irish podcast. The Notre Dame podcast. Why, why do you hate Tommy Tremble? I don't hate Tommy Tremble. Tommy Tremble is good. I like Tommy <laughs> sure. Tremble. Sure. I like him, dude. Hey, if we're talking about a guy that can play in line, in the slot a little bit, can play H-back, he's physical, like he's a really good blocker. He might be the best blocker in the class outside of Dylan Soner, the tight end wow. out of Iowa State. Like He might be the best t- blocking tight end in the class. I am losing my mind, though, because I feel like I'm high on Tommy Tremble. The the talent he has, the athleticism he has, he was underutilized at Notre Dame as a, as a receiver. There's more there, potentially. But I've seen some people have him in the top five. I've seen some people have him in the top three. Uh, I have seen Ooh. it. It's out there, and I can't do that, man. I can't because there's a lack of ball skills with Tommy Tremble. He's not refined as a pass catcher. There, He's not going to impact the passing game anytime soon. He's going to be drafted – from my understanding, Dame Brugler put it out there, like second to fourth round, and I just can't understand it. I can't. I just where do you where do you value him from a from a round perspective? He's, I think he's a late. I think he's a mid to late day three guy, just because like he has one niche, but like he doesn't have the all around game. Like there's developmental potential. If he drafted in the fourth round, I wouldn't say anything about it. Like that's fine. That's a developmental round, right? right? But like potential day two pick for a guy that was not a high volume pass catcher at all, and it's just like an inline guy. I get he has talent, he has potential, but like. I just can't get to this degree that some people are talking. I mean, some people have him over Hunter Long and Brevin Jordan, and like I just yeah, I can't no, get there. I just can't. Yeah, he's he's a he's a mid to late fourth for me. So I was I was just wondering where you, you valued him. Talking about the second to fourth. So yeah, like you said, he's a great blocker. Not to take yep. anything away from his blocking ability, but and you've seen glimpses of his you know his his athleticism in the past game. You've seen glimpses of him being able to you know be a be an impact receiver. But like you said, the inconsistencies there. I, he just—he has bad ball skills. Like he doesn't right, have great yeah. hands. Like right, right now, he double catches everything. He had like three drops on like seventeen targets or something like that. Like it's just not—it's I don't know. It's just not that tangible right now. You talk about like, bad hands, right? Bad hands. Let's go on to my guy, Uh-oh. Kenny Yaboa, <laughs> Ole Miss. Uh, no, Kenny Yaboa, man. Some people love this guy. And it's because of his athleticism. It's because of the upside from an athletic standpoint. They compare him athletically to Kyle Pitts, which. Yikes! I yeah, I, I've seen that on the Twitter. Um, you know, he's he is an athlete. That's what he is. And if you want to talk about someone that's really just a, a big wide receiver, that's Kenny Yaboa. He has no inline ability at all. I think it's worse than Kyle Pitts by far, personally. Mm. Yet you get inconsistencies in the pass game. So what am I really like hanging my hat on? I'm, there's nothing to. He's an athlete that double catches everything. He sometimes drops the ball quite a bit. And he's an athlete. He can't line up in line. I just don't know what to do with him. He's actually a priority free agent grade for me. I just, yeah, he's just there. He's a guy, but some people have him in his top, their top fives, and it's based purely on athleticism. And these people that put like 
athletic scores into their grades for players or this guy's going to shoot up their boards. You know, I I know a lot of guys use like relative athletic score from uh, Ken Kentley, um, you know, for their grades, you know, as an athletic formula. And I just don't understand. Like he's going to end up being pushed for some people as like a third, fourth round player. And I just, he doesn't do anything that makes me think he's going to stick in year one. So what am I projecting? I just don't get it. He he sounds eerily similar to another old Miss tight end that's currently in the NFL. No, but he's no, way one worse. was a first Joe, rounder. Joe, he's way don't. I'll say this: <laughs> Kenny Oboa is a pretty smooth athlete. Like he's not a bad mover, but my man is slow. My okay, so God. that's the that's the difference here. Yeah, is that Evan Ingram ran a four four. But the he's, rest of the he's stuff not that running you, a four four. He's hundred yeah. percent not running a four four. I guarantee uh, that. Yeah, I, I get that. But the rest of what you highlighted here is that he can't catch, he can't block. So what does he do? And the only reason why Evan Ingram was a first rounder was because he was fast. That was and it. Size, yeah. That was it. Because I, I don't even think before he ran that forty that year. Before that, he wasn't really a first-rounder, but he runs the 4-4. Everyone craps their pants, and he's suddenly a first-rounder. He's suddenly this big elite tight end and hasn't done anything since his rookie year. Yes. Yep. I well, hate Evan Ingram. I mean, he's, he's got like <laughs> – Evan Ingram was like a glorified slot receiver in college too, so he wasn't even like – there was no in-line potential at all. Like, it just See, that was the, that's the problem with – I don't mean to, to, to harp on this too much, but that has been the problem for me with Evan Ingram is that he was talked about as this athlete that can turn into something, and he's just remained the athlete that does nothing well. That's the problem. You know, that's the problem that we get sometimes with, with uh, looking at tight ends. Well, folks – Thanks for tuning in. Follow us on social media at NFL Prospects Pod, at Rise and Draft, at Alex Skillstrap, at Joe DeLeon. Um, also, head to uh, NFL Draft Bible, where all of our content, you can find mock drafts and articles done by Alex, done by Ryan at si.com slash NFL slash draft. Also head to believe.com at BLEAV.com to find our show as well as hundreds of other shows. And then lastly, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review if you enjoy listening to the show stay tuned on thursday folks as we have another fantastic prospect interview without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.